Hello, friends. Welcome again to another episode of the Pollock Podcast. Matt, Alan, good to see you again. Feels like we haven't recorded in forever. Matt, you've had a few life changes since the last time we talked. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm glad to not be flying anywhere today, though I'll be flying again tomorrow. And uh, so, so yeah, life is good, but grateful to be home for a little bit and enjoying a nice, uh, I guess, downpour outside as the hail comes down on the church and our house and everything else. But yeah, doing well. Alan, you get your fishing poles in your car. It looks like you've had a good day. How are you? Doing well. I've, I caught a sunburn earlier today, and that's about it. But it's good to be recording with you guys now that Matt has done uh, wandering in the wilderness of the western part of our United States. Well, you know, it's getting <clears throat> tense here in Texas. We're about to enter to a time where neighborhoods are divided, people are fighting, there are crowds in the streets against one another because college football starts in 12 days and my University of Alabama tickets came in uh, digitally. So uh, if you know anybody who needs tickets, let me know because I can't get to all the games out here in Dallas. And our guest today may be able to use some of them. We have Dr. Ed Litton, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor of Redemption Church in Mobile, Alabama. Dr. Litton, how are you doing? Roll Tide. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me back on the potluck. I always have high expectations when I see this on my calendar. And I leave disappointed that I didn't get to eat anything. So, oh my goodness, we leave disappointed every time we record as well. So I guess <laughs> I guess it works out. But uh, I did want to well, point out you need that, you need uh, to start have better guests. You need to start having. Better I know. Guests. I know. <laughs> well, I've also got this guy over here that introduced you that was going to give to the pastors' conference, but instead decided he was going to buy season tickets to, to <laughs> Alabama football. And so, I mean, I, I get priorities, but we know where his priorities Look, are. I had been on the Alabama waiting list for 10 years. And so when your name comes up, you buy the tickets. That's got what it. you do. But you also well, have to buy plane tickets and drive in order for you to come. Yeah, so my plan is make it back for the LSU game probably and sell the rest of my tickets. I've got tickets yeah. to the A&M game in College Station. So the rest, I'm going to try to sell, and we're, we're adopting. And so we're going to put that money to, we make towards our adoption. Oh, and so cool. that's the plan. We'll see how that shakes out. Cool. The bigger answer to that is he's a big deal. And so he can do these kind of things. Yes, a big deal. I'm trying to get the church to get me a private jet. Hasn't worked yet, but we'll see what can happen. Well, Dr. Lynn, we're so glad that you can join us. And uh, we've certainly been praying for you. We know that you have a um, uh, important job, one, in pastoring your church and an important job in leading the convention, which you don't get paid for. So uh, I know that's a difficult task. And we've got a couple of questions we want to ask you. And I want to kick it off asking you this. I, I know you were in Anaheim recently with our co-host, Matt, here. And you were meeting with pastors and, and church leaders there. And as we're getting ready for the annual meeting, as crazy as that sounds, as we just ended one, what are you most excited about as we prepare for Anaheim? I'll tell you what excites me the most is, you know, people think of California, you get a certain image in your head of liberalism and all the things and the restrictions. Anaheim's wide open. It was absolutely, and they are, they are excited. The pastors all over the state of California are excited. But, but here's what I think. I think for all of us as Southern Baptists to go to California where our brothers and sisters are doing real ministry, effective ministry in very difficult circumstances. If we can see that, I think we'll be looking into our future. It's what I call back to the future. Because uh, what's happening in the South, where I pastor right now, is that we're seeing a radical form of secularization. And it's mostly among our children. And, and what's happening is we're going to be facing the same kind of restrictions and the same kind of cultural shift away from the gospel-centric 
Bible Belt mentality that, that we've benefited from for a long time. And so I think California is a look into our future, and I think we'd be wise to learn from our brothers and sisters out there. Uh, it's a great place. They're excited about us coming. We're all excited about heading to Anaheim. While you were there, you announced your uh, theme that you had picked for the annual meeting. Would you care to share that with everybody and tell us how you got to that, uh, that theme? Besides California, this will be the first time I've shared it on any kind of format. So uh, basically the theme is uh, Jesus, the center of it all. And, and it's based off Colossians 1, uh, chapter 1, 15 through 23, but primarily, uh, obviously, Colossians 1, 18, uh, putting Jesus, or I say putting Jesus, he's already there. Recognizing Jesus as the center of it all is, is something that is going to be healthy for us. It's going to help us remember that if he's the center of it all, then it's all about him. It's for his glory. And I think a lot of things that divide us are going to melt away, or they should. And that we should choose to let some things go that are not essential. And, and so, and then determine together to do what he desires. And that is for us to take this gospel to the nations. Absolutely. And you talk a lot about unity and the Baptist press recently shared about it. And when we focus on that and unite around that, of course, a lot of those walls come down. And so could you elaborate on why unity is so incredibly important to you and, and maybe from the very limited role, of course, we know the, the role of the SBC Pastors Conference, uh, and we've talked about that on the podcast before, but from your role there, uh, right. what you want to do to promote unity in the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, let me say this. It's important because it was important to Jesus. John chapter 17, this was his high priestly prayer. He said, Father, I want them to be one as you and I are one. And so we have an obligation unto him to be unified, to work for unity. Uh, to, to work at, at giving honor and love and appreciation to one another and accepting the, the variations that we have uh, that are not essential. And, and so things that are, that are important to see. Uh, I think the other reason is it's our credibility. Uh, Jesus made it very plain that by this, they will know you're my disciples, that you loved one another. And the world is not watching us love one another well. And, and so one of the things we have to each individually do, because we're, we're very autonomous and independent churches and people, <laughs> that we, we need to, by choice, out of obedience to him, for his glory, love one another visibly and to encourage one another. And so a lot of things that we go public with, we ought to go private with first. And we, we ought to, and I'm not talking putting on a show, I'm talking about from the heart, loving one another. Uh, it is our mission, and our challenge um, is, and, and here's what I said in Anaheim, I, the, I'm asked this question, how can you unify? You just asked me again. It, the, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in individual hearts, and it's a work collectively uh, that the Holy Spirit has to do, and I think we come back and submit to the Word of God and, at this point where we have to really question why we go public, why we attack, why we fight or fuss over certain issues. And uh, we are a warrior people, but I think we're fighting the wrong people. Very well said. You know, one of the more polarizing topics in American culture is what's happening at the U.S. border. And I, as I understand, while you were in California, you had a chance to go to the border and see what Southern Baptists were doing, not on a political point, but as they're working to advance the kingdom. Share with us, what was that like and how can we who pastor churches get involved? Listen, it was incredible. And it, it's really a testament to the associations of our convention, because the San Diego Association has a uh, Hispanic pastor 
that uh, goes across the border and uh, on a daily basis, six days out of seven every week, he's feeding up to 500 people and uh, for breakfast, which is the most important meal for children. And so there are a horde of people that are living in tents. They have nothing to cook with. They have no food. And, and, and it's Southern Baptists that are going across that border. Now, I'm just gonna say from a political standpoint, I have strong conservative opinions about that border. Uh, I, I believe that every nation has to have its own borders. Those borders have to be secure. And, but, but the reality is uh, my politics takes a backseat to the gospel. And what I'm seeing happen is, uh, happening is amazing. God is bringing the nations to us. And not only are we ascending people, but we are also people who receive those that are coming with the good news. And I want to give you an illustration. There were a group of 150 Haitians about a year and a half ago that showed up at a church in Tijuana. And that pastor literally converted his worship center into a dormitory, took them in, led many of them to Christ, discipled them. And about three weeks before the Haitian earthquake, the government allowed them into San Diego where there is a Haitian pastor named John that was looking to plant a church. Now think about this. When all of a sudden you get 150 Haitians show up who have been discipled for the last year and a half, he's got his church plant. And it's absolutely amazing, the, the parallel. Uh, IMB on one side, NAM on the other side. And I'm not saying they're directly involved in this particular scenario, but this opportunity for us to work together on this border is a, is a powerful thing. And of course, our government, we hold responsible as citizens for their actions. But when it comes to the gospel, guys, I'm telling you, I'm proud of Southern Baptists along the border that are ministering to people, leading people to Christ. And it was, it was a blessing to be over there and to, to see it up close to help feed people. Uh, it's, it, there's some amazing stories. It's always good to hear about the different work that's going on through uh, our associations and our, our national entities as well. Uh, really loved hearing how the associations are working down there. Uh, Matt, maybe you can get some ideas as you transition to being an AMS. Uh, but your role, of course, is as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, but the role that you've had longer and uh, really the, the most important role that you have is your role as a pastor of a local church. Uh, yeah. you, you pastor a, a large growing church uh, where you shepherd those people and you teach those people and preach those people. But you also happen to be president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, how do you balance those two realities and those two roles that God has assigned for you at this current place and time? As you know, balance is a walking is a balancing act. And it's one foot in front of the other. And so uh, I have help. I have a great staff. Uh, we've added some to our staff to help us do this, to accomplish this. And it is, it is helping. I, I just wake up every day as a pastor, which means like today, I've already been to a funeral. Um, and, and I've called people in my church, counseling sessions. I had a preaching meeting with my preaching team. And so I'm here. And, uh, and I remind myself and my church on a regular basis that my first calling and my, my highest honor is to pastor a local church. Uh, being president of the Southern Baptist Convention wasn't on my radar, but I feel like God called me to it, and so do they. And, and so I feel strongly supported uh, by our people, and, and they are a blessing. They have been for 27 years, and, and uh, they are, which proves they're very patient people. But the most important thing I do personally is to make sure every day I meet with God. 
uh, and that uh, that that time is is where my life flows from. That's where ministry flows from. That's where energy flows from. That's where direction and leadership flows from. And so uh, it's it's my honor to pastor his church. Awesome. And speaking of your role as the Southern Baptist Convention president, there has been absolutely no controversy whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> we we don't typically dive into controversy here. We usually just share the the news and some of our views on uh, various Southern foods and so forth. We don't usually even share well, no a whole lot of commentary. It's just I know. Everybody just loves it. We can get along as we're eating together. Uh, but there have been some voiced concerns regarding your preaching, right. even calls for you to resign, not just the uh, presidency, but also at your own church. If you had just a few minutes to simply share your heart, sure. uh, clear the air, whatever it may be, what would you say to the Southern Baptists who may hear this and maybe even share some of those same concerns? Yeah, listen, I, I understand why some people are concerned. I really do, because of what they're hearing. And uh, I, I just, and there's videos, and even people in my church, we, we've sat down and talked uh, about it, uh, and there's publications, things being said. So the best way I can describe, uh, really, it's most of its centers, not all, but most of its centers around a Roman series that we did uh, last year. And when we were outlining the series, you know, that's a responsible part of pastoring and, and preaching, is that if you're going to preach through something, you want to outline what you're going to cover each week. And uh, so I was looking to do that, and I was in the process of doing that, and I remembered that my friend JD had already done that, so I called him, and I said, can you send me a spreadsheet, he keeps his on a spreadsheet, that shows me how you outlined it, I want to see how mine's lining up if I'm, if I'm approaching this right, and in that process, he gave me permission not only to do that, he said, any material at all, you're welcome to it, and I appreciated that, and, and I had no intention of doing anything with it except I enjoy listening to him, and I and I enjoy how he handles certain things in, in teaching. So I did listen to him, and um, so uh, here's what I want to make it very clear: like any pastor, uh, I used his material to help me outline it, and then I resources material after I'd done the Greek work, after I'd read my commentaries, try to get a sense of how this is this passage needs to be explained to my people. And, and there's a couple of places in particular where we share the same outline. And there's a couple of places in particular where I use a lot of phrases that he did. And, and, and I just want to say this. I'm, I want to be clear. I think the older you get, the more set you get in language. And you, you tend to rely on what you've used in the past. I've always been the guy who wants to always figure out, am I really connecting with people, my people? I want them to understand this. I didn't do this, what I did, what it appears that I did. I don't think it's exactly what actually I did. But, but, but the point is, when I, when I did it, I wasn't trying to make a name for myself. Uh, I was trying to help my people understand scripture. And I'll be honest with you, Romans is an intimidating book for me. Now, you guys are a lot smarter than I am. It's probably not as intimidating for you. But it was. So I, I did rely on that. Here's the problem. I had permission, which I think means it's not plagiarism. The problem was I didn't, and it's it's obvious that I did not tell my people exactly the source that it came from. I didn't cite the commentaries I read either, and and so that's what I have I have apologized to my people. They have very warmly accepted that. Uh, our leadership and I have sat down and we've talked about how we can correct this, and we're in the process of correcting it. I'm fasting from certain things I've always done in preaching, 
and uh, approaching every every message I preach, whether it's at the convention or at a location or in our own church, I'm approaching it differently. And uh, and so this is I take this very seriously. And this is what I share with my people every week. You have trusted me for 27 years to be a man of truth. And uh, and so I have to tell you the truth. And if you can't trust me, then I have no basis of leadership in this church. And so uh, we're, we're grateful for the opportunity to address it. Uh, but the other thing is, uh, I believe the Lord's forgiven me. And I believe that the Lord is helping me learn even a stronger, better way to communicate. And we're moving on. Uh, we feel like we're, we're dealing with it and uh, we're moving forward. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think that um, very clearly articulates uh, where you're at, and uh, I do appreciate that. So I want to ask this question. Not only do I believe that we should give great grace, I believe that we should be people of prayer. I have you written down in my prayer journal, and many of our SBC leaders, I just pray for you guys on an everyday basis. How can I pray for you as you lead your family, your church, and the work of the Southern Baptist Convention? What are some specific things that we can pray for? We have some real serious problems and struggles that we have to work through in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord and actually seeks to solve, solve our issues. Uh, and that takes some serious people, serious-minded people, and people of a supernatural wisdom. So you can pray that I will have a supernatural wisdom in my role in that. Uh, but pray for all of our entity heads, everybody on committees and boards as we struggle through these things. Um, I think that's, that's important. The other thing is, too, I, I think it's important to clarify um, that there's a lot of language being used that's very painful. Uh, I've never in my life been called a liberal. I've never considered myself a liberal. I've been a part of the conservative resurgence. And, uh, uh, and, and the reality is I'm being called a lot of names. And, and so what does is, what is, what is my Savior tell me I'm supposed to do with these people who say things that are not true? Uh, is I am to forgive them, I'm to love them and pray for them. Uh, but uh, I, I understand. I mean, I've, I'm talking to pastors who will call me and say, uh, are you pro-homosexual? No, <laughs> no. Uh, but the statement that I made in that Roman series that has been highlighted, quite frankly, and I'm going back to controversy here, and I want to finish answering your question in a second. But, but the, the, the statement I made comes in a context of I have preached hard on particular sins, throughout my ministry. I mean, hard. And my people are used to that. But what I didn't realize as a pastor at the time is that they were justifying their sin as less impactful than somebody else's sin. And so what I said was, I need to, and I think it was R.C. Sproul who originally said this, but J.D. said it too. And, and that is that when it comes to that issue of homosexuality, maybe I should whisper about that and shout about the lust in our hearts and our heterosexual sins, uh, our proclivity to throw marriages away, and on and on. So that's the context of what I said. But I have not taken a, I haven't, my theology has not changed whatsoever. Uh, and, and, and so it is painful. It's painful when my family's attacked. It's painful when people say things that are not true. And so pray for me to, and this is going to sound weird, but to live unoffended. And, and that, that, that we will stay focused on what God has called us to do. And, and ultimately, he's the one who justifies. He's the one, uh, and he's been very gracious to me through this whole process. And let me say this too, I, I am prone to wonder, I'm prone to make mistakes, and I need the Lord's grace every single day because there's a lot at stake. Um, our mission is at stake. 
And so I, I covet all of your prayers in the, those areas. Pray for the task force and its work. Yeah. And uh, we, we want to see a, a good, solid investigation that will be able to help us chart a course, correct some things, and, and, and to set the future for Southern Baptist and, uh, and Great Commission Baptist. Yes, we know this is a great work. We've talked about it here on the podcast, and uh, we look forward to hearing uh, how the uh, task force sees us to respond so we can do things appropriately and respond where we've uh, dropped the ball in the past and, and move forward and be a convention that is for everyone, and we look forward to that. We will certainly be praying for you in the uh, days and weeks and months ahead. Yeah, brother, we will certainly be praying for you uh, and praying for our convention. Um, I think that's good for any of our listeners to know as well how they can be praying for you. Um, and really how to be praying for our convention and what's going on. At. Before uh, we started recording, uh, you mentioned your great disappointment with us that when you've been on with us, we haven't actually fed you anything. Right. Uh, and so I'll go ahead and offer that when we have the convention in Charlotte in 2023, I'll try to make sure that you find something to eat. Uh, I've been lobbying for having a booth to fry liver mush and liver pudding. Uh, even if I have to do it on the tailgate of my truck, which these two guys, they, you know, they don't want any of that, but that's, that's some North Carolina fine, fine eating. It's low on the hog, but it's good eating, but we'll, we can find something <laughs> other than liver pudding for you. If you need something different when you come to North Carolina, but we'll, we'll make sure you get fed. Uh, you shared with us some of, some of the, the things that you love about Southern culture and Southern food. Uh, memory serves me correct. You talked about butter beans last time you were with us, but, um, I, I think I've been told that they have food in California. I've never been to California, but I've been told they have food there, even even stuff that's not just plant based. Just uh, tofu. So just, just tofu. tofu. That's it. Just just tofu. Well, um, <laughs> is it too late to move the meeting to somewhere else? <laughs> no, you all means, no. Let me tell you, the street tacos are incredible in California. And here's the other thing too. I want to tell you, every place I've ever been in America, there are rednecks. I've seen rednecks in Maine. I've seen rednecks in Vermont and Massachusetts, and I'm telling you, they are in California too. And and so uh, there's some great food in California. Like I said, great street tacos, tacos of all kinds. And so uh, people love to eat. That's good. That, that yeah, when we, were, we can bring some tacos to the potluck. I love street when tacos. we were there, Jonathan Howe has like a moral uh, obligation to eat places that he cannot get in Nashville. Anytime he travels, he's going to look at the food blogs and all of that kind of stuff. And he recommended or found a recommended taco place called Casa Tacos. And uh, he got a burrito that was called the Angel Burrito, but it should have been called like the Demon Burrito because this thing was about <laughs> the size of both of his forearms put together. And, uh, and he made it about three fourths of the way through and was struggling after, but it was some of the best. I had rolled tacos and uh, they were the best tacos I've had in my entire life. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to going back. So yeah, there's some great food in Anaheim and surrounding areas uh, where you can kind of steer clear of the chains that we can get back home. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to going back already. Dr. Lynn makes a great point about rednecks being everywhere. And everybody likes to make fun of rednecks until they're hungry or they need uh, defense from like an apocalypse of some sort. So I keep rednecks close by as my friends because you never know when you're going to need them. That's right. I'm a missionary to rednecks, so it's my people group. <laughs> That's right. Dr. Lytton, thank you for uh, joining us here on the pilot. We'd love to have you back again closer time to the annual meeting. But in the meantime, we'll be praying for you. But we're really honored that you joined us today. Friends, we appreciate you coming to the potluck again. We hope you had your fill and had your full no liver pudding this time, maybe in Charlotte. Uh, but join us next time. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends.